to speak to you today about our theme 2010. And we're believing that 2010, we're asking God that 2010 can be a year of miracles. And we're asking that God, for that to take place, we need to raise the level of expectancy. Okay? Do you understand that? See, there's an end that we have in mind. We want to see God moving in people's lives and in people's circumstances and God doing things that are impossible. But for that to take place, what we have to do is we've got to kind of raise up and heat up this level of expectancy. And I'm not talking, when we talk about a year of miracles, we're not talking about some kind of um, weird, hokey manipulation of people's emotions, okay? Um, you know, we, the, we, the world's seen enough of this fake stuff um, where, where people are manipulating people and, and just working with people. I'm talking about a year of divine intervention. When your impossible situation and circumstances intersect with the power and the glory of the risen Lord. That's when we're going to have a year of miracles. When my problems, when my impossible situation encounters God's power. You see that? That's when, that's when miracles take place. They take place when, when our lives and when our circumstances that are impossible come into contact with an all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient God. I believe that we're going to see the level of expecting, expectancy rising in our hearts, not only on an individual basis, but also corporately. And let me tell you how that's going to happen. It happens as we begin to collect and report the things that God has done for you and for me. I want each of us this year to begin our year by writing a list of what you consider impossible situations. I mean, not things that like, you know, I mean, the things that you say in my life, hey, if God doesn't do this, it's not going to be done. Impossible situations. You may say, my son is rebellious and wants nothing to do with God. My marriage is dead. It would take a miracle to resurrect it. My finances are in complete disarray and I don't see any way out. I have this habit or I have this besetting sin that as hard as I try, I can't seem to break free from. You may say, the doctor said that I would never be able to. Or the doctor said, I have cancer. Or the doctor said, whatever, you fill in the bank. What I want you to do, write down your needs. And and we're going to do three steps. The first thing is, begin to thank God each day that he knows your need. That's the first thing. God, I thank you that you know my need. The second thing, Lord, I thank you that you know my need and that you can be trusted because you always have my best interest in mind. Lord, you know my need and I thank you that you can be trusted that you have my best interest in in mind. And thirdly, Lord, I thank you that you know my need, that you can be trusted because you have my best interest in mind. And I thank you that you are at work on my behalf. And then I want you to fill it up. Put, don't put down one or two requests and forget about it. You fill it up. Every time you see a need that would require a miracle, write it down and follow these three steps. Lord, I thank you that you know my need. I thank you, Lord, that you can be trusted because you have my best interest in mind. And I thank you that you are at work on my behalf. Now, here's where the, where the level of expectancy begins to rise. 
When God intervenes in your life, and I want you to know that He will, then you need to write it down and tell at least five people what He has done for you as soon as He does it. Now, I don't care if it's 11 o'clock. We got some, pe- we got some late night folks here, all right? If it's 11 o'clock, oh, this I want you to do. I don't, as soon as God answers that prayer, if you got to get on Facebook and tell your friends, you get on Facebook. If, if you have to, you know, send out a mass text messages to your friends, you text them. Um, if you have to call up someone on the phone, um, you know, you call them up or walk across the street or down the hall uh, and tell somebody. Well, don't just tell somebody, tell everybody. Tell your family, your co-workers, tell the saved, the unsaved. Let your mailman know. He needs to hear some good news since he's always bringing you bills. Um, your, your neighbors, your boss, don't delay to give glory to God. Do it right then. And this is what we're going to ask you to do. Do not try to take credit for anything that God does. Don't say it's because, well, I've been fasting for 13 weeks and... God finally answered. Uh, Just simply don't try to take credit for what God has done. Why do we do that? Well, let me explain to you the reason why. When my wife, when I happen to overhear my wife tell her family, my husband Steve is the most wonderful husband. Um, But when my wife says, my husband did this for me, what, what happens? My ears perk up. You, know, you act like you're not listening, but you maybe stand outside the door. What'd she say? What? And, and this is what I want to do. When she says, my husband did this, I'm like, I want to know what I did. Because <laughs> sometimes I don't know, right? <laughs> I want to know what I did, and I want to do it again. Because she's saying how great, I, how nice I was. You, you see what I'm saying? We're created in the image of God, and I want you to understand that God delights in our praises. He loves it when we boast about him. He loves it. It builds our level of faith and expectancy, but it also builds a level of faith and expectancy around you. Imagine if whenever you come into church, seven or eight people come up to you and say, guess what God did? did, This week, God saved my brother. Guess what God did? This week, God gave me a new job. Guess what God did? God provided the finances for me to to pay this bill. Hey, guess what God did? God's restoring my marriage and and my husband and I are getting along better. Hey, guess what God did? My relationship with with my friend that was separated is now restored. Hey, guess what God did? I I was sick and God healed me. When when you start seeing and hearing that, people are like, huh. And I'll tell you what, when the world starts seeing and hearing about the things that God does... What does it do? It brings glory to him. It draws people's attention and it draws their their hearts and it raises that level of expectancy and faith with all those people around us. Miriam was a prophetess. And when we pick up in this portion of scripture, Miriam grabs her tambourine and it's a time of celebration because the children of Israel had all just experienced a miracle. Now, any of us can celebrate once the miracle has come to pass, okay? It's not hard to do that. It's not hard to celebrate and rejoice when the miracle has come to pass. It's difficult sometimes to trust God and to be in that place of expectancy 
before it comes to pass. Do you understand that? Now, the scripture tells us this. It says that Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing, and Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider have been hurled into the sea. Does anyone know what that story was about? The Exodus. It's whenever Moses was led the people out of Israel, they came up against the Red Sea. Now, what we see here is we, we see that it's important for us to celebrate when God does a miracle, but we need to see what takes place before the miracle comes to pass. Because that's where a lot of you are right now. Is there anybody here today who you would say, you know what, if God's throwing out miracles, I'll take a few. If God's doing miracles in finances, uh, sign me up. If he's doing miracles in healing, uh, ooh, right here, say I need a financial miracle. If God's throwing them out, I'll take it. Some of you may say, I need a miracle in my marriage. Oh, if, if God's throwing out miracles in marriage, man, pastor, uh, is there any way you, I could get me to the front of the line on that one? Because I would really like that. Or a miracle on your job or a miracle in, in relationships, or, or you got family members who are lost, and you just think, man, t- to be honest with you, it would really take a miracle for him or her ever to come to God. Well, that's the place where maybe a lot of us are. We're in a place where we need a miracle. And I, before, let me, don't, let me get too far ahead of myself. Let me give you a, bit, a little bit of background. For the past 400 years... The, the, the children of Israel had been living slaves in, in Egypt. You remember they were making the bricks. They had gone to Egypt during a time of famine when Joseph, their brother, was the number two man. Unfortunately, at some point, Joseph had to die. That Pharaoh, he died. And so their connection with the power uh, was gone. And there's other people who came into power. The children of Israel were mistreated and abused. They were forced into slave labor. After a period of time, the scripture says that their cries arose to the Lord and God heard their cries. And he raised up a deliverer. He raised up Moses to to lead his people out of bondage. We know this, that not only did, most of you know the story, that, that before there was a lot of things that took place just in that process of Moses going to Pharaoh. And, and there were all kinds of signs and wonders and the plagues that took place. The death angel that traveled throughout the land and how the children of Israel who had applied the blood, they applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their homes. They were protected, but while the, 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 those who did not apply the blood, the firstborn of their homes was destroyed. When, we, when the children of Israel left, not only did they leave bondage, But they carried with them, the scripture tells us, the wealth of Egypt. Now all of this that took place was a miracle in itself. But the scripture tells us this, that as they left, that God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Because if he did, they might give up and go back to Egypt. He led them through the desert. Does anybody hear that? He led them, God led them through the desert. Huh. What on earth am I doing here? I gotta be, if I'm in a desert place, I gotta be out of God's will. No, 
They were right in the center of God's will. God led them through the desert. The scripture tells us um, that, uh, that as he led them there, that they were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They, whenever they wondered if they were in God's will, at night, whenever they were afraid and heard noises outside, all they had to do was open up their tent and look out there. And there's a pillar of fire. The manifest presence of Almighty God. And they said, I'm right where I need to be. Some of us need to hear that. I'm right where I need to be. Even when they were afraid. In the middle of the day, they knew they were right where they needed to be. All they had to do was look up, and there was the pillar of cloud by day. I, they knew that they were in the place that they were supposed to be. Now, in Exodus chapter 14, if you'll turn there in verse 1, it says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Phi Harath between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, so the Israelites did this. The first thing we want to point out to you is that you need to allow God to, to, to position you to experience a miracle. Allow God to position you in a place where you can experience a miracle. The children of Israel, as we said, were being led by God. Pillar of fire by day, pillar of cloud by night. God tells Moses to tell the people to turn back and go by the sea. But to Pharaoh, when Pharaoh looked and heard and saw what the children of Israel were doing, it seemed that Moses had no idea what he was doing. It looked like they were walking around in circles. It looked like they were putting themselves in the most vulnerable position that they could possibly be in. They were kind of backed into a corner. Any of you ever been there? On, on the one side is the Red Sea, the other side is the mountain range, and then here comes Pharaoh bringing up the rear. There's, there's really no place for them to go. There's no way to escape if God doesn't intervene. But friends, I want you to know this. Those are the places where miracles show up. You hear that? Those places that are impossible, they're very fertile ground for miracles. Huh? If you want to see a miracle take place, you need to look in the places that seem impossible. If you want to see God just come in and, and do, do things that are impossible, then you've got to have a difficult place. It's in those difficult places, those impossible places, that the glory of the Lord is revealed the most. Now, when we talk about miracles, a lot of us get excited. Well, that's pretty cool, a miracle. I love to see and hear about miracles. But few of us want to be in a position where you have to have one. We, we may like to hear about miracles. We may like to hear about how God intervened in, in, in Moses' uh, life and how he opened up the Red Sea and let them go through on dry ground. But how many of you want to have Pharaoh chasing you? Hmm. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I didn't know I had to do that. Can you imagine what it would have been like in the desert? They're in a desert. Nothing to drink. 
And God tells Moses to strike the rock. And he strikes the rock. And out of this rock comes a stream of water that satisfies the church of uh, the thirst of up to two million people. Plus their horses and their camels and their donkey and their sheep and their goats and their cattle. Two million people. Wow. I, wouldn't it be awesome to see that? But see, we don't want to be in a place where we don't have anything to drink. We, we, we don't want to be in the place. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see the, the angels of the Lord close the mouth of, of the lions with Daniel? But I don't see any of us signing up to be thrown into the lion's den. Are you with me? It's like, uh, I don't want that. Wouldn't it be awesome to see God heal sickness and disease? But here's the thing. We don't want to ever get sick. And we think, here's, here's the principle. We think that whenever something difficult happens, that surely, wait a minute, did God, did you forget about me? God, have you, have, you, have you lost track of where I'm at? Let me ask you this. Do you think that just maybe the situation that you find yourself in is not a mistake? That although you may not understand it right now, that the enemy is not winning, that God has not forgotten you, but that God is setting you up for a miracle? See, Pharaoh thought, oh, they've walked right into my hands. They're in a trap. There's no way out for them. When in reality, God was setting the trap for Pharaoh. Our second point we want to point out to you is we need to understand the purposes for miracles. And when we talk about miracles, I want to make this... I'll make sure we understand here. When we talk about miracles, we're talking about, we're not talking about something hokey, okay? Because, see, there's, there's been so much fake stuff around that, that people just kind of are like, miracles, oh, man, what, you know, what, what are you going to do now? You know, are you going to have an ear pierce in your ear and someone in the back, you know, telling you the prayer cards? You know, we've seen these, these fake things where people are just like, Miracles are when God, his power, intersects with your need. That's when a miracle takes place. When, when your impossible situation, as we said earlier, comes into contact with an all-powerful God, I believe that miracles can serve a number of purposes. And those purposes may vary from case to case. But I hope we'll be able to look beyond the self-centered, simplistic answer yeah, I need to get out of this situation. Yeah, I need a miracle. So just get me out of this situation. Help me pay my bill or help me to feel better. There were two purposes described in the scripture here for this miracle to take place. The first is, in verse 4, is that God will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army. The second is that the Egyptians will know that he is the Lord. Let's talk about that second one first. God wants the world, those who are lost, those who who are away from God, he wants them to know that there's a God in Israel. God, he he desired, he wanted the the Egyptians to know that there is one true God. And I want you to know this in New Holland. You hear that? Those places that are impossible, they're very fertile ground for miracles. Huh? 
If you want to see a miracle take place, you need to look in the places that seem impossible. If you want to see God just come in and, and do, do things that are impossible, then you got to have a difficult place. It's in those difficult places, those impossible places, that the glory of the Lord is revealed the most. The second is that the Egyptians will know that he is the Lord. Let's talk about that second one first. God wants the world, those who are lost, those who who are away from God, he wants them to know that there's a God in Israel. God, he, he desired, he wanted the, the Egyptians to know that there is one true God. And I want you in, to know this, in New Holland, and in Morgantown, and Terry Hill, and, and Berks County, and Chester County, and Lancaster County, God wants the people in this community, in this region, to know that there's still a God who's alive in New Holland. He wants them to know that there is one God and he's all-powerful and he can do whatever he says he'll do. And, and that's, that's the purpose, for him to show his glory. He loves to display his glory and splendor so that those who are lost will know about him. It will draw them to him. Still, there's a world around us that is lost and needs to see the power of God. Maybe it's a man or a woman on your job or in your neighborhood or in your family that needs to see through your life the power of God demonstrated. Let me just say this to you. When you think about this, you think about how long eternity is. And the tests and the trials that you go through, what if, it, what if through one of the tests or trials that you go through, as people watch you and see God's presence in your life, and God working in your life. That as they see you facing this difficulty and being strengthened by God and God coming through and answering your prayers and meeting your needs and that brings them to Him, wouldn't it be worth it if your co-worker came to know Jesus because of your trial? Wouldn't Wouldn't it be worth it if through the trial or the difficulty that you've experienced, glory would come to God? Now, see, here's the reality. You and I are all going to experience difficulties. We can't escape it. There's no way to escape it. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. So that's what Jesus said. So in this world, we are going to have tribulations. What we can do is that we can allow God to gain glory through the trials and the tests and the difficulties that you and I experience, whenever people see God's power displayed. God says that he'll gain glory through Pharaoh and his army. Don't you think, aren't you assured that God can gain glory through your trials that you're experiencing today? That for some reason that God God will work that out? You know, the promises of his word is that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I want you to know that the tears that you cry, the the nights that you spend up praying and, and, and crying out to God, those are not wasted. The pain that you experience will not be wasted if you allow God to show his glory through your life. The third point I want to point out to you is we need to stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will bring. The people look up. You can, we're, we're not going to read through all that scripture. You can read through those, that portion of scripture. But the people look up, and in the distance, they see Pharaoh and his armies with the horses and chariots coming after them. And they do what many who walk in the flesh do. Those who refuse to look through the eyes of the Spirit 
inevitably they come up with the same response. They begin to complain and accuse God and their leaders. What did you do? Did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Moses, what are you doing? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt where we could have died and been buried there? Do you have to bring us out here into the desert? Do you have to put us in this place so that now Pharaoh's chasing us and, and we're going to die? And Moses says to him in verse 13 of chapter 14, Moses answered the people, and this is the word whenever God speaks to his people. When, when you look through scripture, I would encourage you to do a study of that. Look through whenever God speaks to a prophet or, or, or God reveals himself in some way in scripture. One of the first things he always says to us is don't be afraid. Because that seems to be man's tendency. To allow fear to, to well up and to fear to try to hinder him. Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see. Stand firm. Somebody needs to hear that. You need to stand firm. You need to be, put your feet in. I'm not going anywhere. You need to establish yourself. You need to stand. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to keep going back and forth. There's a certain time in life when you just got to stand up. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain time when you got to stand up and you have to take a stand. And that's what he says. He says, this is what I want you to do. You just stand firm. Don't you run. Don't you hide. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be depressed and discouraged. Don't curl up into a ball. Stand firm and God will do the work. He says, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Someone needs to put that in their Bible. The Lord will fight for you. You got somebody who's on your side. You know, one of the roles, I think about, we were talking in our, in our men's class today. One of the, the roles of a, of, of a man is, is that of a protector. You know, and, and that's one of the, that's one of the, the things. It's like you want to you protect your wife. You want to protect your family. Why? Because you're in a position of leadership, okay? And God's placed you there. And here's the, here's the principle, that God's in a position of leadership over us. When we submit ourselves to him and we trust in him, God steps in and he says, I'll fight for you. I'll defend you. I'll protect you. I'll intervene on your behalf. You just need to stand firm and you will see... The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. Let me just, real quickly, we're going to be finishing up. Have you ever noticed this? As we look back in our lives, how many of you have faced impossible situations before? Some of the things you've gone through, you just said, oh my goodness. You, you looked at it, it just seemed like such a big mountain. I'll never get through this. I don't know how. But as you look back, there's a lot of things that seemed impossible at that time. As you look back, they're just a, a memory. You're like, well, it was fine. It was difficult. I'm not signing up for round number two. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was difficult, but I survived. In fact, I'm actually stronger. In fact, my faith is a little stronger. In fact, I have a testimony that I can tell other people, this is what God did for me. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And that's what... As we find here in the scripture, there comes a time when, when, when we just simply need to look back and see that there, there were battles that you thought you thought I'd never get through. And as you look back, it's just a memory. Why? Because God came through. Well, won't he do the same thing again? 
Won't he be faithful this time? Like, yes, he's going to be faithful. He's brought you through before. Why is he going to quit bringing you through? That's what he does. He's God. He hears our prayers. He answers them. He delivers us. He cares for us. He fights for us. He, does, he takes things that are impossible situation and turns them around and uses them for our good. So as we experience this next trial, why are we going to be filled with doubt? We're not going to be. I want you to notice this last thing that, that they said to Moses. There's more that he said, but the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Just go on, man, go. Quit, quit whining about it. Quit crying about it. Just go ahead and move on. It's time for you to move on. I got something for you. Let's just go forward. And Moses stretches out his rod. The waters part. I want to say this to you. Maybe instead of, well, God knows your need. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're experiencing. You've told him. Maybe it's time we just go ahead and move on. Time we just move on. Hey, I know he's got that one covered. I can move ahead and God's going to take care of it. The, the incredible thing is it's almost as if, I think this, if the people would have stayed there, if Moses would have stayed there and kept complaining or, you know, trying to explain to the people, like they'd probably been there for quite some time, but God wanted to deliver them. And when they decided to move on, when they took that step of faith, move forward, the waters opened. They went through on, the scripture says that they went through on dry ground. And then here's the really cool part. When their enemy, who thought he had him trapped, came upon him, comes running through, following the same path that they walked on, what happens? The waters close up. Their enemy was destroyed. And that's whenever they sang. I'll sing unto the Lord. For he has tried gloriously. The horse and the riders have been thrown into the sea. Now here's, here's where we're at today. For some of you who are in a place where you'd say, Pastor, you know what? I need some miracles. There's some places in my life where, to be honest with you, I need a miracle. Well, you're in a great place. You're in a great place. Because, see, it's in times of need that God comes through. It's when things are impossible. You know, it's funny. The light always shines brightest when it's the darkest. You ever notice that? In the darkness is when it shines the brightest. It's in those difficult times that God's going to display his glory. So I just want to pray with you today. I want to pray this. I want to pray that the Lord would begin to stir up in your heart just a spirit of expectancy. That you just say, you know what? Write them down. Everything. You got family members. You got financial problems. You got, you got, you know, maybe you battle with depression. Maybe your kids have some kind of sickness or, or whatever the case is. God's a God of the impossible. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to expect. And until he tells me different, until he comes to me and tells me different, I'm just going to expect that he knows what my needs are. That he hasn't forgotten me. And he needs to work on my behalf. Until he tells me something different. Until I find somewhere else in his word where, where I find out that it tells me that, it, that it's not true. I'm going to believe that God's on my side. And that, that he wins. Father God, I just ask today that you would begin to, to put in the hearts of your people a spirit of expectancy. Lord, I just ask that within them this, this desire and this longing would begin to grow.
Lord, I pray that people would, would not just cry out to you, but they'd begin to, to thank you. That God, I know that you know where I'm at. God, I know that you know what I'm going through. God, I thank you for the answer. I praise you for the answer. Let them, before, before the miracle takes place, before the prayer is answered, Lord, before that family member is saved or before their finances come through, Lord, let them just begin even now just to, just to let faith rise up in their hearts. Not faith in some kind of faith or, or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of hocus-pocus thing, but faith in a God who's true and doesn't lie. Faith in a God who does not fail. Lord, we look to you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. And we ask you, Lord, in this year that we would begin to see miracles taking place on a daily basis in our lives, in our families. And Lord, I pray for that one who may be sitting here today and they're like, "Eh, miracles, I don't know if I really believe in that anymore. Um, I pray for that person. I pray that you would just show up and just blow them out of the water, Lord, with something that's impossible, just something that's just completely impossible, where they just say, hey, you know what? I didn't believe in miracles, and I didn't think, you know, I thought pastor was a little crazy. Um, I thought maybe those things kind of went out a long time ago. Um, But what I've seen God do, I know it's a miracle. Lord, Lord, prove to them your power. Lord, may glory and honor be brought to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.